Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. Again, this brief series called Raise Your Ebenezer. Raise Your Ebenezer. And I'm going to take you <clears throat> to 1 Samuel chapter 7. And we're going to read our, our text. And we're going to talk again a little bit about an Ebenezer. Now, while I'm talking about this this morning, how many of you got the email on Friday, right? And, and how many of you read it, Angel read it, for the first time in a year or more, because he is Angel, all right? If you're not getting the emails, you need to, you need to let me know. Talk to Michelle Kalinsky. We talked about the whole backstory to this. Israel had had uh, their hats handed to them. It was a massive battle, and they lost massively. They lost 30,000 people in this little valley, this place near a town called Ebenezer. And now they were repenting, and they were turning back to God. And Samuel had been preaching for 20 years since that great defeat. And now they've gathered together in this place again, and, the, and their enemy heard about it, and they were descending on them. And Israel now is terrified. It's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. Uh, Samuel, pray for us. And so Samuel made a sacrifice to the Lord, and he prayed, and the Lord answered him. Now, as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, and the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, The Lord has, thus far, the Lord has helped us. And uh, in the, the name Ebenezer, as we mentioned last week, stone of my help. And last week we elaborated on that and we explained that one of the titles of Jesus is the rock of my salvation. The rock of my salvation. There is only one name. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, there is only one name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Not might be saved. There's not 3,000 different ways to be saved from hell, death, and the grave. There is only one way and his name is Jesus. The straight and narrow gate, the straight and narrow way is not your morality. It's not your goodness. It's not giving to the church. It's not singing worship music. That straight and narrow gate and that straight and narrow way is Jesus. It's just Jesus. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. And you turning from your own way to Jesus as the only living way, folks, that is the rock of my salvation. If you haven't turned to Jesus alone for your salvation, you need Jesus. If you're trusting in religion, folks, religion will not save you. You need Jesus. 
If you're trusting in your heritage, my dad was a pastor, my mom served in Sunday school, whatever the case may be, I come from a generational Christian heritage where I can go back for eight generations to all these Christians in my family, and so I know I'm a Christian. You're not a Christian. The only way you become a true Christian is to trust in Christ. That's it. And if you haven't, this is your chance. Call out to Jesus. Cry out to Jesus this morning. Ask him to be your one and only savior. Reject good works. Reject evil and trust in Christ alone. And let him be the rock of your salvation. You know, when I get doubts, I think I mentioned this last week. When I get doubts, I I take the devil by the scruff of his neck and I drag him down to the foot of the cross and I said, take it up with Jesus. Because Jesus saved me. I didn't save me. He said, yeah, well, you just fell into this sin again. And I, yeah, I know, and it sucks, and I'm sorry that I did. But I take him by the scruff of the neck and say, go talk to Jesus about it. Because Jesus saved me. His blood cleanses my sin. This is what the Bible teaches. Now, it doesn't teach you to go out and sin as much as you want. We want to grow and change, and, and we want to get away from sinning. But folks, when you do, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, we have an advocate with the Father, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Well, let's continue. Verse 13. So the Philistines, the Philistines were subdued and did not come any more into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And then the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel, the Bible says, were restored to Israel, even Ekron, from Ekron to Gath. And Israel recovered its territory from the hands of the Philistines, from the hands of the enemy. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. That is what an Ebenezer stone represents. It represents a moment in time where you saw God work in your life. And you are marking that moment. You are marking that moment. And uh, one of the ways we can mark moments is with songs. Songs are, are beautiful Ebenezers in our lives. I mentioned when my daughter Kirsten was born, and, and um, I don't know, I'm sure there are worse things to see. I know there are, but when you're 21 years old and you see your baby born and she's just this gray color and she's not breathing... Uh, her APGAR score was below three, if you know about APGAR scores. And they whisked her off the bed and put her on the table, and we were suddenly surrounded by doctors and nurses as they resuscitated my little baby almost 30 years ago. And I hit my knees, and I called out to Jesus to please save my child. And my father-in-law was there, and he, and he, he grabbed me by the shoulders to kind of like get me out of shock. And he says, she's alive. She's alive. They want you to touch her. They want you to go touch her and talk to her. And, and it was such a blessing that my, my father-in-law was there uh, to center me on Jesus and to help me in that horrible time. And as, as Kirsten grew and we faced other challenges, there were songs that I had in my life. One I, I used to sing here called Hidden Valleys by um, Steve Green. And it just talks about God's faithfulness. And, and even though you may not be somebody giant in the faith, maybe you're just a shepherd that, that God works in those hidden valleys that nobody else sees. And that, that song is an Ebenezer to me. When I hear that song, it reminds me of God's faithfulness. 
Grace by which I stand, which is a Keith Green song, reminds me of God's faithfulness. And so songs can be beautiful Ebenezer's. And I want to take you to a passage of scripture that talks about an Ebenezer song. Uh, it talks about a song in, in the night, and it is Psalm chapter 77. So turn in your Bibles, we're going to look at an Ebenezer song. We're going to discuss what this song means and how it works out in the life of this songwriter. I cried, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear, he gave ear to me in the day of my trouble. I sought the Lord, my hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing, my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God, I remembered God, and I was troubled, I was troubled when I remembered God. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed, Selah, you hold my eyelids open, I'm so troubled, I can't speak. He's going to bed now, and he can't sleep, his soul is troubled. His heart is troubled. When he thinks of God, he's troubled. Everything is trouble in this guy's life. I've considered the days of old and the years of ancient times. And, I, and here it is. And, and, and I'm in this trouble. I'm in a place where I'm wondering, where are you, God? I wrote a song for a friend of mine who passed away of cancer, Ron Picard. Many of you know Ron. And I wrote a song, and it was, it was called, Where Are You, God? Where are you, God? He was in a valley of darkness. He was in a valley of trouble. He just got married. He was in the, he was finally, as, a, as I think he was in his 50s, he finally got married and he was having the time of his life and he loved his wife and she loved him and it was so beautiful and they were founding members, charter members of, of Lighthouse Baptist Church when I planted that church and, and then he, and then he contracted cancer. And, uh, that'll hit you like a ton of bricks. And so that's the first time I wrote a song for somebody else besides myself and my situations. And, and it's, where are you, God? And, and it was a very honest, transparent song. Like when you're going through trouble, sometimes when you think of God, you're troubled. And this is what was happening with this psalmist. He calls to remembrance, though. He calls to remembrance his Ebenezer song, his song in the night, I meditate within my heart and my spirit made diligent search. And now I want you to notice a couple of things. This is a, this is a Hebrew psalm and, and sometimes they're repetitive and they do that for a purpose. They do it to emphasize or clarify, right? And they do them in twos. And so we're going to see a couple of those things happen. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise Failed forevermore. Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercy? Selah. Now we're into the next section of the song. And, and I said, this is my anguish. This is my infirmity, the King James says. But I will remember the years at the right hand of the Most High. His song of remembrance, his song in the night, his Ebenezer song turns him from his trouble, from his anguish, to the years that he spent at the right hand in the presence of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O oh God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You've declared your strength among the people. With your arm, you've redeemed your people. The sons of Jacob and the sons of Joseph, Selah, 
The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you and they were afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters, and your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. This is probably one of my favorite psalms in all of the book. I have gone back to this psalm time and time and time and time and time and time again. And, and this psalm could be an Ebenezer. We talk about Ebenezer's memorials. It could be a passage of scripture. Could be a song, could be a symbol. Again, here is this man. He's, he's singing his, his song in the night, his song of memorial, his song to remind him of some things. I was speaking with someone the other day about emotions, how emotions are deceptive. Emotions are beautiful and gifts of God, but they can be confused. Did you know that? Your emotions can lie to you. And if you use your emotions to set your life, you may find yourself going down a path that you never imagined possible and a path of destruction. Emotions are the spice of life, but they're not the guidance of life. They reveal things, and then your reason and will needs to step in and examine those emotions against the truth of God. And when we find that our emotions are deceiving us, we need to deal with those emotions in a healthy way. He had this song in the night, and, and one of the reasons he needed this song was because he was, he was, he was being lied to. <laughs> He was being lied to by his emotions. What happened to this man? I think we can infer that this man had fallen out of sorts with God. That he had, he had, he had fallen into sin. It's obvious to me because God's angry with him. Okay? He, he, this man, there was something separating him from his father, and it caused him to doubt the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Again, God, thinking of God troubled him. His emotional state was lying to him. Listen to the list of lies. There's lies in the Bible? Did pastor just say there were lies in the Bible? He did. There's lies in the Bible. God's not lying, but he shows the truth. He shows that man can be lied to, can lie, can be confused, that your heart can deceive you. Right? And so what were some of the lies that you, we just read this song. It should kind of strike you like, hmm, has he cast off his mercy? You follow what I'm saying? Like he said this. He said he felt cast off. What does the Bible say for believers, believers in Jesus? I will never forsake you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I hold you in my hand and no man is able to pluck you out of my hand. My father which gave, the, gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. All who come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. This is what Jesus said. All who come to me, I will in no wise cast out. And here's the psalmist saying, I'm cast away. I'm, I'm been dis, I've been abandoned. He felt he'd used up the grace of God. Are you walking with me on this? Is this psalmist telling the truth? Had God abandoned him? Had God cast him out? 
Had his grace failed? He said, do your promises fail? Do God's promises fail? And yet he felt that way, didn't he? Now, the one, thing, one of the things I love about Psalms <clears throat> is whatever you're going through, you're probably going to find a psalm that's, that's going through something similar that will help you to express yourself to God. You can pray the psalms. You can pray the psalms. You, fi- you will find psalms where, the, in this case, the psalmist feels abandoned. He had sinned. He'd fallen out of sorts with God. And he felt alone, and even the thought of God troubled him. You're going to find other psalms where the enemies surrounded you, right? They surround you, and they're on every side, and you're like, where are you, God? And then God reveals himself. You're going to find psalms where there's depression in the psalmist, heartache, loss, and victory. But these were things that his feelings were deceiving him on. He felt, he felt felt cast off. He felt that he'd used up the grace and the mercy of God. He, he felt that God's mercy had faded away. He felt that God's promise had failed. And so he's singing this song. And what did it remind him of? What did the Ebenezer song remind him of? Necessity, number one, if you're taking notes, and there's going to be about nine or ten of these. He was reminded of the necessity of repentance when you fall out of sorts with God. Repentance is changing your mind. That's what it means in the Greek. It means a turning of the mind, a changing of the mind. And we live in a culture today where, where the culture has said that thus saith the Lord is evil, is wrong. They, they look at the Bible often as a wicked book. But folks, the Bible is to change your mind. We, we have a need for repentance when we fall into sin and we live in that sin and we don't bring that sin to the foot of the cross and ask the Lord to forgive us and claim the blood of Jesus. We are, we are falling out of fellowship with God. And you're, let me tell you something, man. Your sleep should be troubled when you're out of sorts with God. When you have fallen into when you have fallen into sin and you have refused to agree with God concerning your sin, you should be troubled. Pray to God that you are, because if you're not, you are you 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 are probably not a child of God. We talk about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And usually when I teach on the Holy Spirit, I, I use this expression because in Ephesians it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, and and the Holy Spirit of God is in you. How do you think you're feeling if the Holy Spirit is grieving within you? Feeling good? I feel good. No. And I use this expression, if mom is not happy, ain't nobody happy, right? You live in a house and mom's not happy, it doesn't matter if it's your birthday or not, baby. You're not going to be happy if mom's not happy. Now, the Holy Spirit is way better than mom and way more influential, influential than mom and way more powerful, yes, than mom. And he has the power to make you miserable for your own good. And the misery of this songwriter led him to remember powerful and important things of God. Repentance. This is my anguish. This is my failing. This is my wandering. This is my infirmity. This is what is wrong. And I'm confessing it to God. I'm getting off my chest. I'm talking to my father about what I've done. And I, and I love Psalms because they're so, 
as I said, there's lies within this psalm about God, but it was honesty about how the psalmist was feeling, like the psalmist wasn't candy-coating anything. Sometimes we go to God and we go to Him in a way that we think He wants to see us instead of as we really are. And you can't get help if you're not admitting your failures and your, and your struggles. And this psalmist goes to God and he just lays it on the line. This is how I'm feeling, God. And then he has this song in the night to remind him of some amazing truths. One, repentance. Two, it reminded him of his personal time with God. I remember when I was at the right hand of the Most High. It's personal. It's personal. I remember the time where, where I felt so close to Jesus. I remember when I prayed every day and, and it was just constant communication all day long with Jesus. I, I remember when I was serving in ministry with Jesus, not just for him, but with him. I remember my, my time beside him. It reminded him, number three, it reminded him that there was a time when God was working in his life personally. Working in his life personally. Some of y'all need that. You haven't stepped out in faith, and you need to, so you can see God working in your life personally. It's wonderful, and we're going to get there to see what God does in other people's lives, and that gives us hope, and it gives us strength. But, my friends, there is nothing like seeing God working in your life personally. And man, if you've seen God work in your life personally, you ought to raise up an Ebenezer stone and mark that time down so you never forget it. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and we were talking about um, various trials and, and, uh, and troubles, and, and something he was saying reminded me of some Ebenezers in my life. And when Kirsten had her first major surgery, and we ran out of caregivers for her, I remember laying on my bed at night and and crying out to God, much like this psalmist is. And I was saying, God, you said, you said she's your daughter. You said you'd take care of her. We're up against it. We don't know where to go. We don't know what to do. And he said, have you thought of asking the nurse that's checking on her wounds? And I said, no, I never thought of that. I mean, I'm telling this talk came to me. Well, why don't you do it? Like, sounds like a good idea. So in came the nurse the next day, and I said, hey, so we, we don't have caregivers for Kirsten, and, and is there anything available to parents of disabled children? And she said, well, yeah, you have to go through all this rigmarole and, and basically get approved for Katie Beckett Medicaid, and, and, and this is an amazing Ebenezer in my life because, God, I was on my bed and, and just crying out to God, and he, he answered me, talked to the nurse, and she said, well, you got to be approved for Katie Beckett Medicaid. And I'm like, we've been approved since she was five. And she said, well, you're all set. All you have to do is contact a provider and it's covered. I'm like, wait a second, we've been all set for like two years? <laughs> yeah. She said, it does sometimes take three weeks to a month to get a caregiver in. And I, I called interim health care. And Trish, it was that week that they had a, a LNA, was she an LNA or a nurse? Davey, come to our house. Now, let me tell you, this, you all have to have these moments in your life that you can look back to when all hell is breaking loose. Everything is going wrong that will point you back to God and his faithfulness. 
So here we are. I'm scared to death, right? Because I've never given Kirsten into the care of anybody that I don't know personally. And the percentage of children that are abused by people, that, uh, 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 disabled children, especially girls who are abused, is incredibly high. Incredibly high. And so I'm a nervous Nelly, as some of you might know. And I had a job where I worked for a, a family business, and, and they were incredibly flexible with me. They were practically family, Dave and Troy, and, and I love them today still, and Troy and I are still in contact after many, many years. And, and so they let me stay home that morning to meet with this woman to kind of, I'm not leaving until I'm sure that my daughter's safe. Who would? Right? And I had this flexibility, Trish had to go to work, so in comes Davey, and, and I'm kind of giving her the third degree without giving her the third degree. I'm being gracious. And we're talking, and she goes, oh, I, I was saved at 10 years old at Camp Good News in western New Hampshire. And I'm like, "Woo, man, that's an Ebenezer right there to remember that God provided that. So amazing, so amazing. And this woman turned out, she potty trained Kirsten at seven. Man, you haven't lived until you've changed a seven-year-old's diaper. She potty trained, I could just kiss her right now for that. She potty trained Kirsten at seven. She taught her to eat finger foods. She taught her to hold a spoon. Everything Kirsten does independently today is because God brought Davy into our home. Ebenezer's, man, Ebenezer's. Don't forget the amazing things God has done in your life. Raise up a stone of help. Remember what he's done. Remember him working in your life. He, he was reminded, number four, to meditate on God. And all of his deeds, not just the deeds that were done to him personally, but all of his deeds. He was remembering when God parted, when he talks about Moses and Aaron and thunder and lightning, he was talking about the parting of the Red Sea when Aaron and Moses led Israel out of Egypt. So now he's, he's, he's meditating and thought about, man, I remember when I was right next to God and he was right next to me. I remember when God was like right, working in my life and doing these amazing things. And now he's like, and the scriptures, all oh, the holy scriptures are full of the wonderful works of God and his faithfulness. It reminded him that God is in his sanctuary in a special way. It reminded him that God's deeds done for others in his past. It reminded him of God's faithfulness as portrayed in scriptures. It reminded him of God's redemptive nature and power. Remember what Samuel, 1 Samuel 7 said. It said that, that the, the Israelites reclaimed land that they had lost. How good is that? There's another place where the Bible says the Lord restores unto you that which the locust has devoured in your life. I don't know how old you are today. Some of you are very young and you think life is over. You think you've screwed up, done too much, and you think there's no hope for you. You think it's too late for you. Maybe you're 12. Children are committing suicide today at a terrible rate. Maybe you're 50. Maybe you're 60 and you think it's too late for you. It's not too late for you, for God to restore to you the cities that the enemy has taken. Y'all can take back ground. Set up an Ebenezer. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God. Get out there and be the blessing.